head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA podcast, episode 251. And obviously, it's a, it's a special edition of the podcast. Today, I'm recording this on Friday. It'll probably be out for most people uh, on Saturday. I'm joined today by Philip O'Connor. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, a little bit, and, and obviously how it pertains to uh, to MMA mostly. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into the events that are are not happening this weekend. So obviously, there looks like there's still going to be a UFC event on Saturday, which we'll get into. So myself and Graham will jump on on Sunday and do another bit of a podcast if and when that does happen. But as I said, we'll get into that. Philip, how are you? How are you? How are you getting on? I'm brilliant. Let me start by saying that if this is the last podcast that we ever get to make together that any of us ever hears, I'd just like to thank you as the host of this wonderful podcast for all of you. You're brilliant listeners and that kind of thing. And I'll see you all on the other side. Thanks. Now, get that out of the way. <laughs> on, my now that that's out of the way. I, I'm glad. I just uh, I was in Portugal there for a week covering a women's soccer tournament called the Algarve Cup, and I sort of witnessed the, the whole country falling apart in real time as this thing sort of became apparent to them. You know, so we started off over there. It's not the best attended tournament. You're down on the Algarve coast. There's a whole lot of sort of whole lot of people in the risk zone, I suppose you described them as for the coronavirus. You know, mm-hmm. pensioners watching young ladies playing football in the afternoon. And as the tournament wore on, Sean, Portugal were obviously involved, and you know we got to the point where uh, you know the, you play like there's eight teams and then they split into sort of two groups of four and then it's like you know seventh and eighth place playoff and this kind of thing but they were going okay well now we have to play games behind closed doors and even in the first game it was like you know the captains didn't shake hands and then like five seconds later after the game was started they were kicking one another up in the air that kind of thing so yeah no it's been an interesting week because you know it's, it's one of those things there's information there's misinformation there's disinformation information pollution and then there's Dana White and the UFC and their endless thirst for money yeah that's it. <laughs> I, I suppose this this is an MMA podcast and we, we will talk about uh, MMA as it pertains to coronavirus, but I suppose before before we do that, I, I suppose we'll have to just give a couple of minutes on like maybe not explaining what it is, but you know the the kind of the what hap- what has happened in the last week or so. And I think when I did the podcast last week, we kind of you know we mentioned it a little bit, I think, or maybe on the Q and A even mentioned it a little bit and. It, like it was something at the time it was like oh yeah this is you know it's probably going to spread but we've seen things like this before like with Ebola and SARS and, you know they're all serious things have all been serious but have never n- never gotten to this level where I think I'm worried I think you're probably worried a lot of people are very worried for you know not not just our own personal like we we'll probably be, probably be fine like but you know lots of people oh my you know my my father's still around and you know older relatives and everything like that it's. It's just a very worrying time. You know, you said there's a lot of misinformation and stuff. You know, obviously you covered um, uh, sport and everything, but the worldwide uh, thing as well. Have you ever seen anything like this before? I know uh, someone asked me about it. I said probably 9-11 was the last time something was this shocking, but I don't think it's something that we think will be shocking for like six months like this is. Have you ever seen anything like this before? 
I certainly not on a global basis when it comes to a pandemic or that kind of thing. I mean, the only thing I could compare it to was when AIDS started to spread, the HIV virus started to spread in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge game changer in, te- in terms of changing the sexual behaviour of people. But it was also a political football because certain people didn't want, you know, certain people were preaching abstinence and other people were preaching condoms, that kind of thing. And it was just one of those things that we didn't, nobody wanted to talk about, nobody wanted to educate themselves about. There were strong religious positions, strong political positions. And that's where everything sort of fell apart because and it was also you know being something to do with the gay community and intravenous drug users everybody went kind of you know fuck them you know mm-hmm. that, that's not me it's not going to affect me or etc and it was only really when heterosexual people started to get infected and it became something that we took you know very very seriously you know so there are echoes of that now you know but it's certainly like I mean even every single sports story of the last week or so like you know I've been sitting there in the chat room for a global news agency and seeing things getting cancelled and seeing uh, you know Michael Arteta of Arsenal getting quarantined last night and the whole first team squad and is it going to be cancelled is it not going to be cancelled the NCAA the NCAA basketball in America which is absolutely huge one of the biggest sporting events of the year mm-hmm. March Madness that's gone first they said we're going to play in front of nobody and that kind of thing so I can't really remember anything of this uh, of this magnitude happening before you know and it is important to say that people are right to be worried uh, what people are saying to a certain extent you know they're interpreting these things correctly right you and me and especially you you're a fine, strong, healthy young man. Well, that kind of thing, right? Not, well, rel- everything is relative, right? Hopefully, but yeah. you know, in the in the primary life, right, it's not going to affect us. If we get this kind of thing, we may not even feel the symptoms of it. It may pass over us and that kind of thing. But the problem is that we can transmit it to others, right? Mm. So you know, if you, you might transmit it to, to a neighbour, yeah, as you said, your father is still with us. My own father is still with us. So like, you know, if I was to go to Dublin, you know, I may not even notice that I'm passing it on to them. You know, when I was in Portugal now during the week, I tried to remember every handshake I had, and you know, I met an Irish lad at a school here this morning and you know we weren't just the first time in our lives we haven't shaken hands you know so mm-hmm. it is changing behaviour and we have to be aware of that John as well and this really leads into the discussion about why it's correct to cancel most if not all sporting events at this moment in time because unfortunately some things are bigger than that and the reason that we have to do it I mean I'm sure you've seen the hashtag on uh, Twitter about uh, flattening the curve right mm-hmm. so it's not so much uh, this is an extremely deadly uh, virus and that kind of thing. But what we don't want to do and what we can't afford to do is to overwhelm our health services, right? Mm-hmm. So if my father, your father, my mother, uh, you know, like uh, all my aunts and uncles, if they all arrive at the hospital in Limerick all at once, they're not going to be able to cope, right? Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is we have to limit the spread of the virus, right? It's going to spread, but we have to get it going as slow as possible. And that way then, the heroes that work in the health service will be able to deal with it. But if we don't do that, they're going to get it all at once and that's when the shit hits the fan and then there's no control because like, humankind's been around for a long time we will get through this right we had the Spanish flu in 1918 coming home from the First World War the Spaniards are really disgusted today because of the Spanish flu still almost 100 years later you know yeah. That was just one of those things, the plague that rattled through London, that kind of thing. These things do come to an end, you know, but again, it's just about how you manage that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think even like, you know, a lot of people are talking about stockpiling food and everything. And look, I, I can understand why people are stockpiling food. I know everyone has been told not to and they, sh- they, they shouldn't. But like, if you have, right, stay in for the next week and don't do it. eat that food, stay in and don't don't go out, don't be shaking hands with anyone, don't want to fucking answer the door to people, you know, stay away from people. If you've never seen Game of Thrones, go and watch it or watch The Wire or watch the fucking a series of films you never watched, you know, just it, stay in because it's not going to kill you staying in closing the door but going out might, you know, and that, that's, but, but, uh, that's how serious it is at this stage, isn't it? 
But, but, but even at that, Sean, you can actually go out, right? I'm sure if you went out your door there in Limerick, right? We mm-hmm. were trying to work it out. We, ha- we obviously have the Stockholm Gales GAA team up here in, in Stockholm, right? So I've been seeing it from their perspective. We've been chairperson there for 10 years. And we're talking about our tournaments and we're talking about training and that kind of thing, right? And should we continue to hold training? And I was making the argument that me training a team of 20 fellas or girls outdoors is the, the, the actual possibility of them infecting one another in that time that they're outdoors is extremely low, right? Mm-hmm. But where the possibility for infection actually occurs is when they're on the tube or in a car, four or five of them on the way to training or the way back, right? Mm-hmm. So we can be out and we can socialise as long as we keep our distance from one another, right? This virus, for, you know, when, from what I've read up on it, it's transferred via droplets, right? So that could be spit, it could be uh, anything that runs from your nose, that kind of thing. It's the main way that this is transferred. So if we keep our distance from people, don't touch your face, you know, don't spit in the ground, don't sort of, you know, uh, pick stuff out of your teeth and then go shaking hands with the parish priest or that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're sensible about it, we can still get through it. And it's going to take a couple of months and that kind of thing, but if we're sensible about it, you know, I mean, playing big games, like they're going to play a big rugby game with that shit and that kind of thing, that's madness, you know, because it's just you can't keep your distance from 70,000 people in a race course, you know, you're going to bump into people in bathrooms, you know, people who haven't washed their hands and this kind of thing. So it's trying to find the level where it's at. So you can be conservative about it. You can still go out and about talk to your neighbours and that kind of thing, but it wouldn't go sort of, you know, kissing them or hugging them or, you know, so shaking hands for a protracted period of time or that kind of thing. Just keep your distance for now until this thing settles down because the, the one thing that worries people, you're talking about stockpiling food and everything else like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's great to have that survival instinct that I'm going to look after my own and that kind of thing. But it, this is a lot like when you get into the octagon, right? It's absolutely okay to be afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Fear is not a bad thing. Fear is actually a really, really good thing because it concentrates the mind. But like in the octagon, you cannot allow it to take over, right? Because if you allow fear to take over in the octagon, you're getting knocked the fuck out, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to make mistakes. You're not going to work in an intelligent fashion. That's how do MMA fights end? How do no TKOs come about when you can't defend yourself in an intelligent fashion? Yeah. So as a society now, we need to act in an intelligent fashion. Look, the last thing I would do is listen to a politician, right? Because I've heard absolutely every single prime minister and president change their minds and flip-flop over the last week. Don't listen to them. Listen to your doctors. Listen to scientists and epidemiologists, the people at the World Health Organizations who are not looking to get reelected and who are not looking to come out of this looking good, who are just looking to do the right thing. So if you listen to those people, and there's a great one, I think it was the Irish Retail Association came out and said, don't worry about the supply chain. There's everything from toilet paper to spuds to hand sanitizer. It's all there. Don't worry. And we'll be able to replenish it. Sure, actually, some supermarkets are thinking, this is brilliant because people yeah. are buying more stuff than they've ever done before. Mm-hmm. So Somebody described it to me today in a WhatsApp as shit Christmas. You know? <laughs> God, so yeah. it's just, there's no, no fun to be had when everybody's stocking up on everything anyway. Yeah. So, you know, if, if that's what those people are saying, and when the time comes to panic, you know, like th- there's a huge amount of sort of money and energy and effort put into making sure that we have plans in place for these things. Now, you can debate about closing schools and everything else like that, which I think probably should be done. Mm-hmm. For like the whole sport and events, we shouldn't be putting put kids in classrooms. But for the most part, the authorities have plans for this kind of thing. And when the time comes to panic, boy, Jesus, you'll know, you know. Mm-hmm. So until then, again, the intelligent defense, find the right information, work out what's going on around and then take the actions that are necessary. But cool heads, cool heads is what's necessary. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are worried as well because like 
how do you stay healthy in this like I, I heard someone a doctor talking the other day on, on television and they said you stay healthy by the normal way you'd stay healthy you know if you have a punching bag go out and punch it if you have you know your yeah. multivitamins or you have a vitamin C something take that okay it's not going to cure you of coronavirus but at least when you get it at least you might be a little bit more healthy and everything will, you know and even if you're self-isolating whatever and you don't have it and you just want to stay away from it that's going to help too or you know uh, yeah, yeah. going out for a walk or whatever like that you know it's uh, you know there, there are ways and, and means of doing it too but I suppose like getting on to the sporting side before we get on to completely Tim uh, obviously you mentioned there uh, the Premier League has obviously been cancelled now after Mikel Arteta got it and the fact uh, you know when Arteta got it I was I was reading I was like fucking hell Ar- you know Mikel Arteta is after getting we've known him for you know the last 20 years probably playing in England and in managing and you know with Man City and everything as well and it's like in the space of half an hour, there was something else, and it was kind of brushed over. It's like this is like one of one of the most, you know, one of the most famous managers in the world, but just because of who he's managing, you know, a player we've known for years, yeah. and it's it's like it's not even news. That's the kind of week we're living in, you know. Even we, I think we talked about the Kobe Bryant dying a couple of months ago. That was or a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was. That was huge news. But like the new, the things that are happening now are just like paling everything else, maybe into just small things you know every, everything that even huge things that are happening now like tom hanks got it is like yeah it's it's not even the biggest thing it's 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 yeah, that's a meme now <laughs> yeah it's it's actually crazy but and that you take that into consideration obviously the um you know uh the, the, as i mentioned the premier league has been cancelled i think most of the six nations now has been cancelled as well the golf the okay so what you're dealing with the reason that most things are being cancelled right mm-hmm. uh, you know the euros we're all talking about euro 2020 now and will Ireland qualify that kind of thing right yeah. there, there's going to be no euros right because mm-hmm. tonight denmark closed its borders right and now it's gonna it's closed until basically easter the middle of next month and they're saying nobody gets in nobody gets out that's it that's what, now you wait for some of you know dragging their heels and you know they know what's going to happen right mm-hmm. uh, the Norwegian Football Association said today they're not going to host the game against there right it's over they're just not going to host because if we brought our players back from Italy um, we're going to find out that you know we have to quarantine them for 14 days right I was with the Norwegian women's team in Portugal and the, the press officer is a very good friend of mine and the players who play at home they're all in quarantine for the next 14 days right mm-hmm. now the British government has taken a different approach the reason that uh, the Norwegian government has advised the people self-quarantined for 14 days when they return from outside the Nordic region. But they have also banned gatherings of more than a thousand people in some cases, mostly Mm -hmm. more than 500 people. Mm-hmm. and 100 people indoors, right? So you literally can't go ahead, right? You can't, you know, we, we were supposed to be having a game of game football to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. That's probably going to go by the wayside as well. You can't have a soccer game, you can't have anything. But the UK has decided not to do that, right? Because it appears that they are believing in the scientific principle of herd immunity, right? And the herd immunity is that if more than 60%, usually there, thereabouts, it's not like a set figure, is immune to something, well, then that hinders the spread of it. Sorry, lost uh, lost field there for a second. You were saying about the um, the immunity, sixty percent. That's what they're doing in England. Actually, a friend of mine was is actually over there, and he was t- kind of telling me about it. Like they they kind of want people to get it so that yeah, <laughs> so it's maybe save other people or something. That's it. Seems it, okay. There's a logic to it, but it's a bit mad too, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. Like you know, again, this thing of if everybody gets the flu, then all of a sudden nobody gets the flu for months afterwards because we're all immune to it. You know, mm-hmm. vaccines work in the same way. So they give you a little bit of it now. Everybody becomes immune to it. Or everybody goes to school becomes immune to it, and then we're all okay. Like nobody gets infected with these things. And the UK has decided that this is the best way to go, right? And they're very much on their own there. When you see that everywhere else is closing down and talking about self isolation and restricting large groups of people, like th- that's what the way that they're trying. And the fact that the UK is going against it is hugely, hugely problematic. Well. It's 
I'd say what we're going to see in the very near future is nobody from the UK is going to be allowed in anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your friend may not be allowed to come back from the UK because it's just, it's absolute madness now to let 70,000 people come home from Cheltenham. And by that stage, you know, by the time they close the border towards the UK, it may be too late. And the, the funny thing is, you know, they talk about taking back control of their borders. Jesus, if that's what they're going to do, I think nobody's going to mind after that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's nuts altogether. Yeah, it really is. And I suppose... You know, when we look at all those other sports and uh, basically everything is cancelled. I think someone said the darts are still going on, but that'll probably be get, probably get cancelled. And then we have MMA. And okay, we had uh, KSW that's coming up, has got cancelled. Aries got cancelled. Our yeah. own Cage Legacy here in Dundalk was cancelled. Bellator fighters weighed in uh, on Thursday, but late on Friday, the event has been cancelled as well, which to me is... I, I suppose we'll get into that before we get into the OC. What, what did you think of, like... Uh, they were scheduled to have the event behind closed doors then they made everyone win and you know the day of the fight they, they cancelled it like to me the win part is almost worse than the fight because you get someone to weigh in and they're going around for 48 hours cutting weight draining their body being out in public like going to the hotel going to the sauna going to the to the gym to cut the weight like how many interactions are you having there? All you need to do is get wine. Like you're 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 um you're already being you know, and you can't take water on as well. And so like your 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 mm-hmm. immunity is already down, and you're put, they're putting that into you as well. That's when someone who's a healthy twenty five year old man or woman can suddenly become a very very unhealthy twenty five year old man or woman. And what if something <laughs> like that happened? You know if. Like uh, Callum Hudson or I, Chelsea player, got it the other day, and he he sent out a video. He's fine, you know. He's he's going to be grand, you know. If fucking Bruno Fernandez or Cristiano Ronaldo got it, they're going to be fine. But if you know a Patricky Pitbull or a Patricia Pitbull got it when he is cutting twenty five pounds a weight, is he going to be fine? That's a big issue. Well, isn't that one of the big issues? Maybe that MMA has that other sports probably don't have. Well, that's the thing. Because of the fact that this virus is so powerful, right? People, you know, Boris Johnson's been saying, oh, it's just like the flu. Donald Trump's mm-hmm. been saying the thing. It is just like the flu. But it's a very powerful version of that. And if that hits you when you're cutting weight, you know, usually we have the early way-ins on Friday morning for a certain promotion, you know, that kind of thing. So if, mm-hmm. if that hits you, if you come into contact with a hotel porter, if you come into contact, you know, with another fighter, with a trainer, with somebody like that, if you come into contact with, you know, your, your striking coach has been at home with his kids from school or whatever, and you're fighting in Dublin, then he comes back in and brings that thing with him. And that hits you, you know, that, like it may not necessarily, this seems, there seems to be an incubation period before the virus actually hits. Yeah. Jesus, it can't be a good thing shot. And the most important thing is we don't know. So why should we expose a Bellator fighter or a UFC fighter or a cage contenders fighter? Why should we expose them to that risk when we don't know the damage that we might be doing to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of those things that, you know, fighters are often their own worst enemies. We all know that fighters have gone in, every fighter goes into the cage injured, right? And we know that they don't take the time to recover and that kind of thing. And very few of them are going to back down and very many of them can't afford to do it, right? Mm-hmm. They're going in there for whatever peanuts they're getting, you know? I mean, Bellator, obviously, we're told that they're paid better. The people of the UFC card have probably dedicated the last six to ten weeks to putting a camp together and that kind of thing. They owe money to people. And if they can, if they don't get a purse on, on Saturday night in Brasilia, they can't afford to pay those people. And it puts them in a terrible position, you know. So all of that kind of thing needs to be looked at, you know, in terms of the physical health. I mean, again, if we go back to the, the football team that we have here in Stockholm, what's the primary purpose here? What's the primary thing I have as the chairperson? My primary responsibility is the health and well-being of my members of their families and of their friends, right? That's the only thing. I, every decision that I or we as a committee make has to be based on that, right? And if you're not doing that, like the Premier League weren't doing that, right? Uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, 
of Bayern Munich came out to that say basically you know there's a big TV deal there and we need to honour it right mm-hmm. but at least now it's a very callous thing to say but at least he was decent enough to say look at lads this is about money right mm-hmm. because when it comes down to it you know the money that's made on the gate in the UFC event in Brazil yeah that's pretty good right but it's whatever they get from ESPN yeah. you know it, back in the day it used to be the pay-per-view you know they, they didn't care as long as those dollars were rolling in right so you know, of all the people, I'd be a little bit worried for Graham Boylan. I don't think Graham Boylan, you know, I mean, Graham's probably a very wealthy man personally, but I don't know if, if Cage Warriors could, you know, if they were, say, to be out of business for the rest of 2020, you know, that's going to damage their business seriously, you know. It just, in terms of just keeping the organisation going, it's going to damage a lot of their fighters. They're going to have to find other work at a time when casual work is going to be hard to find, you know. So, a lot of it comes down to the commercial considerations, right? The amateur uh, sports or college sports in the US was the same thing because even though they're amateur, the organization, the NCAA, actually makes huge amounts of money, you know? But if you're making those decisions based on money, you need to own that because what you should be making the decisions based on is the people who compete for your organization and the people who are going to be in the stands watching it. Mm-hmm. Can I throw something at you in this? I don't agree with this myself, but I'm it's a devil, devil's advocate maybe point of view. Let, let's say you do, do an event behind closed doors and, you know, everyone fighting, obviously, we know is going to be fit and healthy, especially maybe if they don't cut weight. Let's say they do catch weights and stuff like that. And let's say you get, you know, you get Herb Dean or, you know, Josh Rosenthal, whoever is these fit and healthy referees, fit and healthy judges, and you have an event like that. Like, is, do you think something like that is feasible? And I know I, uh, I don't agree with this or, or anything now, and I'll give my point of view in a minute, but, like, I... Uh, should we even be looking at things like that to kind of salvage our sport or to salvage the sport being able to continue to broadcast or should we just like completely forget about it? Well, I think it's feasible up to the point where somebody tests positive, right? And the Arteta example is great, right? Because here was a very, very high-profile manager from a very, very, one of the world's most famous clubs. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, 45 minutes prior to Arsenal's announcement, the Premier League had said that tomorrow's games, they were talking Friday night, that the games would go ahead on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And then Arteta tests positive, and then they have a meeting this morning on Friday, and now the games aren't going ahead, right? So we could, theoretically, you could do that. And yes, you know, it would be okay to do that. But the thing is, we're not living in a time of guarantees, right? We're living in this massive grey area where we don't know, right? That you know, not to, to single anybody out, but you know, say Herb Dean arrives in there and Herb Dean hasn't had any symptoms whatsoever, but he's carrying that virus mm-hmm. and he passes that virus on to one of the fighters on the undercard. And that person then goes around and before he goes into the octagon, right? Herb does this in the locker room when he's explained the rules. Here's what I expect you to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then that guy goes out there and he's got this virus on the skin now, right? And then he hugs his whole corner team before he goes in there. Then he goes in there with another athlete and he wrestles them for three rounds, right, for 15 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you know, he shakes hands with Joe Logan and Bruce Buffer, right? And now look what we're into, you know, so the guarantee that we thought, okay, all these guys are perfect and that kind of thing, we can't know that, you know? Mm-hmm. So you know, in that case, it's better to err on the side of the caution. And the second possibility is, and the elephant in the room for any MMA fan the world over, is the most, most cursed fight of all time. Mm-hmm. Khabib against Tony Ferguson, right? And we've, we've just been waiting for something like this to happen, right? But do we really want to see that fight behind closed doors, Sean, with no fans in the building, with no epic walkout, with no Bruce Buffer calling, you know, he'd probably be in there anyway, right? But do we really want to see the equivalent of the two lads fighting in a warehouse or do we want to wait for six months and have that be the comeback card? 
card or have Connor against one of them be the comeback card because what do we gain here? Sure, we get to see fights and that kind of thing, but A, there's a risk to anybody, there's still a risk to anybody who's involved. And B, like part of the thing about modern MMA is the sense of pageantry. KSW do it absolutely brilliantly, as Sean Denny will tell anybody who listens, right? Mm-hmm. But when you take that away, what we essentially have is tough with less people, you know, far more skilled people, but but less people in it. And I really don't know, you know, I don't know, that's just going to seem to me like, you know, I don't know, it's margarine instead of butter to me. You know, So I'd be more interested in sort of waiting and seeing how quickly we can deal with this as societies and then, you know, getting back to business as usual as quickly as possible rather than rushing back to business and then everything just going to shit anyway, you know? I, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't mind it being behind closed doors if it could be done safe and we know everyone, apart from maybe the fighters who, who take that risk every time they fight, everyone will come out from it safe. I, I like... Let's say something happens where I don't know a fucking a crane fell on an arena with no one in it, no one was wrong, but they couldn't have it in the arena. They needed to move it, and they had it in the apex. And it's like, look, I, I I could understand it, but the fact now, like Tony Ferguson could go in there and fight Habib, right? And Judge Number Three could give uh, Tony Ferguson the coronavirus, and then Tony Ferguson could win the fight and go up and go go up and like visit his mother afterwards and give her the coronavirus, and she could die. Like the whole thing about this is, this is not got to do with Sean Sheehan or Tony Ferguson or Habib Nurmagomedov. This is to do with each of us taking personal, uh, you know, personal thoughts about how we're spreading it. Like in our, you know, the country I'm living in, and I think in America as well, maybe not in England, but in other places. What, what they're asking people to do is not to spread it. And that doesn't matter, you know, if you're a bollocks of podcaster sitting here or if you're a professional MMA fighter. Everyone is in it together to limit it. And if they're going out and they're having interactions with 100 people in a tough gym or in the apex, or if they're having an interaction with one person in the cage and maybe they get it from them, or two people in the cage with the referee as well, and they get it from them, that's enough. Like, is... This is life and death, like, for a lot of people. Maybe not be life and death for, for me or the vast majority of people listening to this, but it might be for your uncle or your father or your mother or, you know, your your next-door neighbor or something like that. And, like, yeah. uh, does does this fight really mean that much to you? I, I, like, I want to see this fight more than, <laughs> more than anyone in the world. I know you do, too, and everyone listening to this really wants to see this fight. But is it more important than your father or your uncle? Like, exactly. And that's... But you see, do you, yeah, do you, go on. The, the, the other thing, sorry to interrupt you, Sean, but the other thing that we have to remember is that it's not just the very, very old and the very, very young, right? There's an awful lot of people out there who have had lung problems and that kind of thing, who have various different underlying conditions, people who've had pneumonia, uh, people who've had issues before with their health in the past, yeah. right? And they are compromised by this. You know, you have people with MS, you have people with all sorts of illnesses. And these are not illnesses that we see on the surface. So you wouldn't look at them and say, oh, that's a person with a disability, but they are actually very much at risk from things like this, right? Mm-hmm. So if we take a powerful virus like this, right? I, I don't know yet. I've been trying to find out today, but what's the effect on asthmatics, right? Yeah. Because they already have problems in terms of breathing in certain situations, right? They need to take drugs which are essentially steroids to keep them breathing properly. So, you know, if we're going to get into that, you know, if we're going to talk about the spread of that and try to prevent that, you know, we need to decide exactly as you say, what's important to us here, right? Now, again, this is like, we, we've waited for so long to see this particular fight. But I can't remember who it was. I don't know if you saw the tweet from Don Jones that somebody was challenging him uh, yeah, on Twitter well, today yeah. and he was going, man, I couldn't care less about fighting mm-hmm. right now. You know, there's such, so much bigger, bigger things. And it wouldn't surprise me if there was somebody close to John. You know, there might be somebody who has some sort of an underlying condition there that he is worried about, that he's nervous about or that kind of thing. And to be honest, it's the last person I expected it to come from. Mm-hmm. But that's actually, you know, for the first time in his career, and for, certainly for the first time in a long time in his career, Jones has shown a little bit of leadership. Now, that to me 
is in stark contrast with what Dana is doing and what the UFC are doing because they seem content to hang on to this a bit like the British government a bit like the Premier League a bit like Cheltenham you know Cheltenham is now over but you know they're, they're hanging on to the very very last because you know oh if we could just get this to run if we can just get you know I don't know what the deal looks like with the ESPN I don't know if it's even possible to ensure against a cancellation of an event for something like this I know Scott Coker's after calling off the Bellator card that was supposed to take place this weekend after the fighters have weighed in if I, if I recall correctly yeah. you know so if they're willing to take that hit, we've actually seen it with some, it was the New Jersey Devils, which is an ice hockey team in the NHL. And they've said, no, not only have their, are their games called off, but they're going to continue to pay the casual staff who would be working at the, at the, the arena just to make sure that those people don't end up, you know, in trouble with their rent or in trouble with their bills and that kind of thing. You know, so we are talking about, you know, if it would be a different thing if you're talking about your local dojo in San Diego, California. Right? It would be a different thing if you're talking about your local Gaelic club there in the County Olympic, right? But you're talking about the UFC, which just handed three hundred million dollars back to its stakeholders a couple of months back, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about an organization with a huge amount of money, like I think Bellator, they have a war chest but not as much, you know. So if if it's at all possible I don't think it's morally correct at this stage that we'd be concentrating on Khabib versus Tony. I think that fight has to take place in its own time under the perfect circumstances in Madison Square Garden and the T-Mobile Arena because to have it in the apex absolutely as a sporting contest and solely as a sporting contest we could probably do it and we could enjoy it for what it is. But I think, you know, you're famous for saying that this is not just sports, this is entertainment as Mm -hmm. well. And the people who don't understand what the entertainment element, I just think that, you know, there's a huge risk that it would be an enormous anticlimax. Like, what happens when that fight is over and somebody gets their hand raised and there's nobody there to cheer? You know, mm-hmm. what does that give us as fans? It gives us a result, but it's not going to give us that visceral sense that we had the night that Conor McGregor hopped up onto the edge of the octagon with the two belts in Madison Square Garden. We, we just, you know, who would hop up onto a fence when there's nobody there to watch? You yeah. know, who's going to turn? Who, you know, where do you even turn to? You turn to your corner because there's nobody else there. And I just think that, you know, it would also send out, you know, the wrong and Brasilia as well. I'm not talking solely about Tony and Khabib, yeah. but they're sending out the wrong signal that, you know, that they're, you know, they're just they're bigger fish to fry right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's one good argument and only one good argument why the UFC should continue to put on cards and that's to pay the fighters but that's only a good argument if you refuse to believe that the UFC can just do that anyway like the UFC can even if you you know let's say Tony Ferguson is coming up and he's going to get you know a million quid for the fight let's say he probably won't get that but let's say the fight's not happening and you uh, and none of the fights happen for the next six months. The UFC right now could afford to go out and give every fighter on the roster ten grand immediately, right? And that would keep them at least it it keep them going. You know, it cost I don't know just five six hundred, you know, uh, uh, half a million, a million, two million, whatever it's going to cost. They could easily afford to to do that right now and keep everyone afloat. So uh, uh, you know, and I know they're going to be losing money, but they they have a, plenty of fucking money to lose. They've made a lot of money out of uh, those fighters for years, so they can afford to do that. And otherwise, like this sport, you you said there, I I always said about it, it's not just sport, it's entertainment as well. But it is sport, and it's a sport that more than any sport in the world, it's predicated on safety. And maybe that sounds weird because it's a sport where you go out and you try to hurt someone or choke them out. But if we didn't have the element of safety in MMA, it would it, it would be just wrong. It'd be morally wrong. It'd be just mm. completely wrong. And wh- why not extend that? This is this is the you know this is the same thing. There's people you know could end up getting hurt because of this people could end up dying because of this or you could end up spreading this disease because of this fighters could end up getting it it could ruin their careers you know it's 
there's a there's a risk there and you know this is it's not just a risk uh that it's it's something that's happening it could be something short term it's something that is you know you very low risk running there's there's a low risk of someone getting very badly uh uh affected by it but the risk of passing it on when you're around and when you're they're not just in the arena with 100 people they're in the arena with 100 people and those people that all those people have meet, met and in ubers getting in there and in the hotels before you get there and on the plane flying over to brazil and flying back from brazil it's to me why would you take the chance like why would you t- you're, you're doing it for the bottom line and that's it and that's not a good enough reason for my in my book but I think one of the things that it does bring up, and you make a very valid point there. I did the calculations there after the, the women's title match, the co-main event there between Joanna and Zhang at the weekend. I think the two of them together, plus their bonus, I think they got, you know, about the same as or maybe less than what Yul Romero got, right? Mm-hmm. And that to me was an absolute travesty for one of the greatest fights of all time. Yeah. And these two women go in there. Joanna, I think, got 106,000. Zhang got 100,000. And then they got, you know, a, a, a bonus center split between them or whatever it happened to be, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just a scam. That brought home to me how mean the organization is, right? You're talking about an organization that pays 16 to 17% in fighter compensation, whereas in the NHL and the NBA and that kind of thing, it's up around 50%, right? And it struck me today, right, when people were talking about this idea of, of and I think you were one of those that said it as well, that you could just pay people their courses and it wouldn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. But the rest, like what I'd love to see, and this is, fighters can't get a union together. Norman McGraw will tell you about me and Donald Cerrone arguing about this under Madison Square Garden, and he actually thought Cerrone was going to slap me <laughs> because he was trying to put this, this point to him, right? That if you're a fighter in the UFC, if you're Sean O'Malley, right? You go out there, you fight, and say you get 14 40, right? So you get 80 grand. That's great. If you lose, you get 40, right? Mm-hmm. That's less than a grand a week, right? That's not enough, you know, for it's not, it's barely a minimum wage job in the US. But out of that, you have to pay for your fight camp and that kind of thing as well. You get a few bob from Reebok. Why not, when you sign for the UFC, why not pay every fighter two, three, four thousand a month? Right, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of money, right? But give them a few thousand dollars every month so that they can be full-time professional mixed martial artists, right? Steve Miocic is still a farmer in Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, he might do that because he absolutely loves it. Uh, what's your man's name, Tim? The guy who's in the uh, the Delta Force or whatever. Uh, Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy's mad as a brush, right? But I remember mm-hmm. speaking to him on Skype just before he went back into the Special Forces and went went back to Afghanistan. Well, he does that because he loves it. He literally loves running around the jungle shooting people kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, if you remove the need for them to have a job, if you they can dedicate themselves to training and that kind of thing, right? And, you know, that would give you status as a UFC fighter. And then whatever you get on top of that on fight night as your purse, that's fine. And they would easily be able to afford that. If you're an organization that can afford to pay out 300 million to stakeholders and investors and that kind of thing, then you have that money. There's no point in saying that you don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the professionalization of MMA, the fighters bear all of the risk. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't get in that octagon, and they, like, if they get in the octagon, they get part of their money. And if they win, they get the other part, you know. So it just strikes me as it's extremely cruel for what we expect them to do for us, Sean, to mm-hmm. go in there and to compete that kind of thing, you know. And certain champions even, you know, they might be on 500k or whatever. I can't remember what Alessandro got, but I think he got 500k and no win bonus, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so mean. If you come up 20, 20 and 20, 40 and 40, oh, all of a sudden you're making money so there's no win bonus, you know. Yeah. Why not? Like, if the principle is that the win bonus the motivational factor for you to go in there do your best and win then it doesn't matter if it's 50 euros or 50,000 euros it still should apply you know so I think that you know again it would probably take unionization but it could also take the fact that you know the UFC products the UFC fighters that we see 
from the, the prelims all the way up to the top of the main card would be better if we had everybody able to train full-time. Yeah. If the status of being a UFC and a Bellator fighter was that these are full-time athletes. Liam McCord and James Gallagher will tell you, as I'm sure they did when you were in Dublin the last time, that mm-hmm. you know, being a full-time athlete is a totally different kettle of fish. I know Leah still teaches classes and that kind of thing, but it's a totally different kettle of fish to doing what Neil Seardy did or doing what Paul Redmond does and working, you know, two, three, two, up to five days a week, you know, five days a week when you're, when you're not in camp and three days a week when you are. It's just completely different. Yeah. So I think we need to start a conversation, not that I don't expect the UFC to listen to me or anybody else about that, but fighters need to stand up for themselves and say, look, you know, we need to change how this sport is financed from a fighter perspective. Mm-hmm. And that way then, you know, because what you would have was a situation where the UFC would just pay these people their basic salary for the rest of the year and then we start again in January, you know, or August or whenever we feel that we as, as a global society have a grip on this uh, corona situation and then we go back to making these big fights that everybody wants to see because the last thing you want to do is like fans drifting away fighters drifting away and nobody wants to come back just because you're too fucking mean to look after them you know? 100% and uh, you know I, sw- I spoke to Will Flory before his not his last fight to fight before it and he said that exact thing like you know the, the fact that he was earning money now from better I think he said he was he was like living in his car and stuff and even between training sessions he'd know where to go and it, like it's tough and it, it, you know a lot of people are going especially new people who've gone into UFC maybe had one fight maybe lost that fight maybe earned 10 grand in the last year it's going to be tough for those people if they don't get a fight in the next six months so it's it's going to be very very tough um i don't want to keep you all day but last thing obviously next week it's probably an elephant in the room at this stage but cage warriors that have a card in london the night before ufc have a card in, the Lon- in london but at the moment as we're recording here on friday night uh say it's going to go on with full crowds like I don't even think there's a question that that's impossible. Like I I do I know England are going the other way and they're you know allowing crowds and things like that. <coughs> and um, you know they're as we uh, talked about earlier they're taking a different approach. But I I can't see that happening, especially the UFC. Like maybe they can do it behind, behind closed doors. Maybe you know, and I suppose tomorrow night will tell a lot as well. Saturday night will tell a lot. But what's your take on it at this stage? Do you think that, that UFC or Cage Warriors card is going to happen the way they're they're talking about it now? I, I can't see it happening, Sean. And the reason is that, you know, it's very hard to keep these things quiet, right? So mm-hmm. statistics come out and that kind of thing. And what happened then is there's two instances in Wuhan, China, and in Seattle, Washington, in the States, right, where these spikes have occurred. Mm-hmm. And when, when you start to sort of register the fact that the coronavirus is in a particular part of the community and that kind of thing, and that spike happens, the deaths start to happen and that kind of thing, that is the point where you have to start isolating people, where you can no longer have these big gatherings, right? At the moment, at the time of talking to you, in Sweden, there's only been one death, right? And 800 people who are being officially tested positive for the virus. And Sweden has now kind of said, right, we're not going to test any any more people. We're just going to tell you to stay at home and sweat this one out on your own, right? Mm -hmm. There's no drugs available that are going to help you anyway. So, you know, testing positive doesn't actually matter. But when you see those spikes, this is the thing that they talk about flattening the curve, right? And in London, of all places, I don't know if you've been on the underground in London, I'm sure many of your listeners will have been on. It's just, it's an absolute disaster in terms of communicable diseases. Like somebody sneezes and the whole carriage gets it kind of thing, you know? I can't really see a situation if, as one would expect, after Cheltenham and after this rugby match and after Mikel Arteta and everybody else getting it, if we get this spike that we're expecting in terms of people needing hospital treatment and deaths, it would just be beyond the bounds of possibility, right? And then you have the other thing that, you know, anybody travelling from America to Europe you know, or to, to Europe is, is not guaranteed to go back, you know? These things can change very, very quickly. I know Donald Trump just is starting to talk about it to you. There's a whole bunch of other things starting to happen. Denmark has closed its borders tonight. Mm-hmm. So Nicholas 
Dalby might be able to get out, but he may not be able to get back in. You know, I'll have to mm. give him a shout actually after this and see what he's doing. But, you know, so it's, that's the kind of situation. So we're through the looking glass, as the saying goes here. We're not operating in normal circumstances. This is not a time when a band can go on tour. This is not a time when a play can happen. And it's certainly not a time when a sporting event with two half-naked athletes in there can go and do these things, you know. So I don't expect it to happen. To be honest, I would hope for the welfare of everybody involved, for every fighter, every corner man or woman, every referee, every fan there, that we don't do this. And that we accept the fact that, you know, we can't have nice things, as you and I always say, you know. Yeah. And we'll just have to wait another few a few weeks and months until the situation calms down and we can all go and do what we love in safety and security and not endanger ourselves or anybody else on this planet. Yeah, and it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's the fighters that are getting fucking screwed here. And it's, it's unfortunate. It always is. It, yeah, it's it unfortunate, but it's going to have to happen. Like, it just... Uh, the UFC are going to have to make, you know, take that decision. They're going to have to do it. Because, like, it, we in MMA get drawn in at times to live in, in a not just in a bubble but in like a completely unreal world an unrealistic world but we're in living in the real world now make no mistake about that this is you know this is a real world situation and we have to treat it as such and you know maybe if we do we can come out of it a little bit quicker maybe it won't take the six months or the nine months are talking about maybe we can do it a little bit quicker but things like that and you know putting 15,000 people into uh, into arena is definitely not going to help and even if you do go on how many people are going to go because people are not that fucking stupid like oh, okay they went to Cheltenham and stuff but I think the fact that that, that was kind of started before it hit really badly the UFC is going to be right in the middle of it and it's I was talking to a couple of lads there and they said look I have tickets I have flights there's no how am I going to go like there's, there's no way I can go to this so I don't know, will the fans even allow them to do it? And the fans that have paid and bought their tickets and paid for their flights and everything, I, I just... To be honest, I can't see it happening, but I suppose. But sure, sure. Can you can you imagine? I mean, like, you know, nobody loves nobody that I know in this world loves MMA more than you. Right? Mm. So say that you have your ticket and your flights and everything, and you say to your father, uh, your father says, "Where are you going? I'm off to London now to watch the UFC." Mm-hmm. Oh, is there money going? Yeah, there's fifteen thousand, and I'm going. Oh, thanks, Sean. <laughs> Do you know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. Is it like for, for you to come back? I mean, you may go, but don't come back kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing. Like I think it has you know an awful lot of people turned on the people from Cheltenham, and actually had a friend of mine who was there. Like you know, he's going, "Jay, you're giving us a very hard time." I was going, "Look, man, it's just." not a good time for these things you know and we have to think about because you know who doesn't want to see those fights you know yeah, who exactly. doesn't want to see that London card we've been looking forward to it for ages but at some point we have to put the greater good above what Sean Sheen and Philip O'Connor and, mm-hmm. and Nicholas Alby want you know we just have to do that because because if we don't this is just going to continue happening until we learn the fucking lesson you know so mm-hmm. it's, it's well that we learn it now and get it over with and then you know in a few months time we can just go back to normal and hopefully by then there'll be decent medicines and there'll be a vaccine it'll be just business as usual yeah and it's, it's not going to be for me either what am I going to fucking talk about in the podcast every week if all these events get cancelled like do you know what <laughs> I, I, was, I was making this point the other day right there's mm-hmm. so many stories everybody in journalism and everybody in MMA is always giving out oh you know I'd love to talk to this person but I never get the time mm-hmm. because if you think of the amount of time that yourself and Sean uh, sorry yourself and Graham spend talking about the fights that happened the night before it takes up 80-85% of the podcast and then the other 15% of the time is taking the piss out of Liverpool yeah. which we'll get back to uh, right? but now, now but we now, can do now a full podcast on that yeah, exactly. But now there's an opportunity for you to go and maybe, you know, when Graham, I know Graham is coming back, to talk to Graham about what's happened with him in the last two weeks, what he thinks of things. Yeah. But to go and to find Will Flurry and to go and to call up Leah McCord and say, look at Leah, give me half an hour, 45 minutes. And we get to know her in a way that we didn't before. Mm-hmm. To call up PT and talk about, you know, that night in Dublin. And, you know, to, to take a little bit of time, you know, to take, I think Una Valali was writing today on Twitter. She writes for the Irish Times and she was saying, pause. 
Don't be afraid to pause. We're all in such a hurry to go somewhere to get to the next fight, the next card, the next title fight. That kind of thing. Jesus, wouldn't it be great if we could just take you know, a couple of months to sit back and talk about all the things that we've enjoyed and really sort of absorb the fights that we've seen uh, in the last year, two years, five years, whatever it happens to be. Talk about things like the way fighters are paid and see if we can improve this sport in the downtime that we have. Come up with ideas, better ways to communicate with one another, different podcasts that you can be doing on Patreon and all that kind of thing. So, you know, uh, what is it that's usually said that the, the words for crisis and opportunity in Chinese are very similar, you know? Mm-hmm. So if we can do that and we can pause, we can come back and we may, may even enjoy the sport even more when all this and to people out there not even us like obviously if you want to support our Patreon patreon.com forward slash severe man podcast but you know if if you're signed up now please stay signed up but I, I wouldn't be asking anyone to sign up if you, you know it might not be the best time but support people's work you know not I'm not talking about myself but yourself Philip sign up to your Patreon retweet your articles if there's freelancers out there retweet their articles click on their videos you can do those things for free it'll help and also you know watch someone puts up a podcast listen to it you'll, you'll have a bit of time now if you're you know if you're you should be spending an extra bit of time at home even if you're not in isolation or watch the video and tell people about that's gonna help you know there's a lot of vulnerable people i know a lot of people probably listen to this might be able to go to work or need childcare, or you know they might have to look after their parents or whatever it is you know we i think especially in ireland you notice if, it, if a relation of yours ever dies you always notice people are great and i think in general in time times of crisis like this people are great and i think we need to we need to just help each other out a little bit here, don't we? Yeah, well, that's the, the the great Irish expression. Remember, two thousand and eight when the crash happened, uh, and we were very aware as the Irish abroad that we weren't affected by that in the same way the people at home were. Our families and our friends were obviously affected, and we returned to the concept of mehel. And mehel is where you help the neighbouring farmer with his harvest, and he helps you with yours, right? Mm-hmm. And it's basically it's not a peculiarly Irish thing. You can find it in societies all over the world, but we have a word for it, and it is that thing. If you see Helen O'Rahilly, you know, is on Twitter saying that you know she'll help people who are self isolating, and she's generated this network of people doing it. We we're doing it here in Sweden as well and that kind of thing and as long and that part of that is exactly what you're saying it's reading the articles listening to podcasts getting in touch creating conversation that kind of thing what it is you know as long as we look after one another and as long as we look out for one another we'll survive all these things the human race been around for a long time but we have to put and, and th- the best things happen when we put others before ourselves mm-hmm. and if we can do that now for a few months and really learn the value of doing that then I think we're going to end up with a world that's a much better place than what we've got at the moment yeah 100% and if anyone ever wants to reach out questions at SphereMedic Lash me in an email at any stage. The DMs are open on the Severe Mail podcast Twitter, so I'll lash anything in there. Or if you've any, you know, if you're sitting at home and you know you've nothing to do and you think I'd love to hear him talk about that, and you know, if it's you know a career retrospective for fucking Alistair Overeem, or you want to go back and rewatch it, send it in to me and I'll do it because I will have plenty of time now to do it. And you know, it's every time I come on this podcast, I'm not going to be talking about the coronavirus. You know, I'm wanted if there are fights going on, I'm going to come on and going to talk about the fights. I'm going to do career retrospective rewatches and all like this. I'm gonna, you know. Because people need a little bit of a break from it too. And if I can provide that for fucking 20 minutes doing a podcast, I, I'll do it. You know, and we'll have a bit of a laugh and stuff about it as well. Because we need, you need to do that too. But I don't know. Exactly. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. Philip, thank you very much for your time. Everyone support Philip, our man in Stockholm, over on uh, Instagram, at Philip O'Connor as well on Twitter. Thank you very much again for your time, Philip. Uh, see you, everyone again next time. Mind yourselves. <laughs>